Hello everyone and welcome to the Unanswered Questions True Crime Podcast. I have spent hours and hours investigating this. He basically told her that people have been killed. Journalists, independent investigators, people like that disappeared. It frightened her to the bone. There's more to the story than meets the eye. There were rumors of torture and homicide and sexual abuse, all sorts of egregious, horrendous crimes. He was polygraphed three times. Each of those three showed evasions. His resumes were a skeleton of truth. He was mad at the world, and particularly mad at the government. The study that he commissioned that described a fictional terrorist attack. If people have died over this, it means you're getting close to the truth. You don't have to be a conspiracy theorist to say, what the fuck? Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of my new podcast, Unanswered Questions, where every week we'll endeavour to discuss a mysterious unsolved case that has many lingering unanswered questions. So I hope you enjoy and as always leave me some feedback on what you think about the show and rate it as well. Now on to the show. This week we'll be talking about Odessa. Now, Odessa is an American codename meaning organization of former SS member coined in 1946 to cover Nazi underground escape plans at the end of World War II by a group of SS officers with the aim of facilitating secret escape routes and any directly ensuing arrangements. The idea has been widely circulated in fictional spy novels and movies, including the famous Frederick Forsyth's best-selling thriller The Odessa File, 1972. The routes are also called rat lines. Known goals included allowing the SS members to escape to Argentina or the Middle East under false passports. Though an unknown number of wanted Nazis and war criminals did in fact escape Germany and often Europe, the existence of an organisation called Odessa is rejected by most experts. However, once again, the term itself is only recorded, certainly as an American construction, to cover up a range of planning arrangements, including those enacted and those simply envisaged in both known and hypothesised groups. There has been and remains some confusion over the years of the use of the term Odessa. About 300 Nazis did find their way to Argentina with the support of Juan Perón after he came to power in Argentina in 1946. Now, I did cover a small portion of that in my Adolf Hitler Did He Escape at the end of 1945 in that episode about Adolf Hitler. So if you'd like to go listen to that, it's in my podcast playlist on YouTube. Please check it out. Yuki Goni maintains that archival evidence paints a picture that does not even include an organization actually named Odessa, but it is sinister nonetheless and weighted in favor of an actual organized escape network. Guy Walters in his 2009 book Hunting Evil stated he was unable to find any evidence of the existence of the Odessa network as such, although numerous other organizations such as, and I'm going to butcher all of these names, Consol, Sean Horst, Sex Gestern, Louis Wachi, and Lustig Bruder have been named, including De Spinner, the Spider, run in part by Hitler's commando chief Otto Skorzeny. Historian Daniel Stoll, in his 2011 essay, stated that the consensus among historians is that an organization called Odessa did not actually exist. Goni's book, The Real Odessa, describes the role of Juan Perón in providing cover for Nazi war criminals with cooperation from the Vatican, the Argentinian government, and the Swiss authorities through a secret office set up by Perón's agents in Bern. Heinrich Himmler's Secret Service had prepared an escape route in Madrid in 1944. In 1946, this operation moved to the presidential palace in Buenos Aires. Goni states that the operation stretched from Scandinavia to Italy, aiding war criminals and bringing in gold that the Croatian treasury had stolen. Now we come to origins of the term Odessa. 
The code word Odessa, as used by the Allies, appeared for the first time in a memo dated July 3rd of 1946 by the United States Army Counterintelligence Corps, CIC, whose principal role was to screen displaced persons for possible suspects. The CIC discovered that the word Odessa was used as, was used at the, and I'm going to butcher this name, KZ Bensheim Eurobach internment camp for SS prisoners who used this watchword in their escape attempts to gain special privileges from the International Red Cross, wrote historian Guy Walters. Neither the Americans nor the British are able to verify the claims extending any further than that. Now we get into the history of this so-called organization. According to Simon Wiesenthal, the Odessa was set up in 1944 to aid fugitive Nazis. However, a documentary produced by the German TV station ZDF also suggested that the Odessa was never the single worldwide secret organization that Wiesenthal described, but several organizations, both overt and covert, that helped ex-SS men. The truth may have been obscured by antagonism between the Wiesenthal organization and West German military intelligence. It is known that Austrian authorities were investigating the organization several years before Weisenthal went public with this information. Similarly, historian Jitta Swerny wrote in her book Into the Darkness, 1974, based on interviews with the former commandant of the Treblinka extermination camp, Franz Stengel, that an organization called Odessa had never existed, although there were Nazi aid organizations. Quote, the prosecutors at the Ludwigsburg Central Authority for the Investigation into Nazi War Crimes, sorry if I get that name wrong, who knew precisely how the post-war lives of certain individuals now living in South America have been financed, have searched all their thousands of documents from beginning to end, but say they're totally unable to authenticate the Odessa. That Not that this matters greatly, there, were, there certainly were various kinds of Nazi aid organizations after the war, would have been astonishing if there hadn't been. This view is supported by historian Guy Walters in his book Hunting Evil, where he also indicates networks were used, but there was not such a thing as a set-up network covering Europe and South America with an alleged war treasure. For Walters, the reports received by the Allied intelligence services during the mid-1940s suggest that the appellation Odessa was little more than a catch-all term used by former Nazis who wished to continue the fight. End quote. Nazi concentration camp supervisors denied the existence of an organization called Odessa, the U.S. War Crimes Commission reports in the American Office of Strategic Services, neither confirmed nor denied claims about the existence of such an organization. Weisberg, who after immigrating to the United States, who served as an SS officer and member of the U.S. War Crimes Commission, however claimed that in interviews of outspoken German anti-Nazis, some asserted that plans were made for a Fourth Reich before the fall of the Third, and that this was to be implemented by reorganizing in remote Nazi colonies overseas. Quote, the Nazis decided that the time had come to set up a worldwide clandestine escape network. End quote. They used Germans who had been hired to drive U.S. Army trucks on the autobahn between Munich and Salzburg for the Stars and Stripes, the American Army newspaper. The couriers had applied for their jobs under false names, and the Americans in Munich had failed to check them carefully. The Odessa was organized as a thorough, efficient network... Ports of call were set up along the entire Austro-German border in Lindau, close to both Austria and Switzerland. The Odessa set up an export-import company with representatives in Cairo and Damascus. In his interview with Cerny, Stagel denied any knowledge of a group called the Odessa. Recent biographies of Adolf Eichmann, who also escaped to South America, and Heinrich Himmler, the alleged founder of the Odessa, made no reference to such an organization. However, Hannah Aldrit, in her book Eichmann in Jerusalem, states that in 1950, 
the Eichmann succeeded in establishing contact with Odessa, a clandestine organization of SS veterans, and in May of that year, he passed through Austria to Italy, where a priest, formally informed of his identity, equipped him with a refugee passport in the name of Richard Clement and sent him on to Buenos Aires. Notorious Auschwitz doctor Joseph Mengele, the Angel of Death, also escaped to Argentina and later fled to Paraguay and finally to Brazil. Cerny attributed the escape of SS members to post-war chaos and the inability of the Catholic Church, the Red Cross and the United States Armed Forces to verify the claims of people who came to them for help, rather than to the activities of an underground Nazi organization. She identified a Vatican official, Bishop Alois Hundel, not a former SS man, as the principal agent in helping Nazis leave Italy for South America, mainly Brazil. Of particular importance in examining the post-war activities of high-ranking Nazis was Paul Manning's book Martin Bormann, Nazi in Exile, which detailed Martin Bormann's rise to power through the Nazi party and as Hitler's chief of staff. During the war, Manning himself was a correspondent for CBS News in London, and his reporting and subsequent researches presented Bormann's cunning and skill in the organisation and planning for the flight of Nazi-controlled capital from Europe during the last year of the war. Notwithstanding the strong possibility of Bormann's death in Berlin on the 1st of May 1945, especially in light of DNA identification in 1998 of skeletal remains unearthed near the Leather Bahnhof in 1972 as Bormann's. According to Manning, eventually over 10,000 former German military made it to South America along escape routes set up by the Odessa and the, and I'm going to butcher this name, Duchy Hilversurvian. The Odessa itself was identical, says Manning, with the continuing existence of the Bormann organization, a much larger and more menacing fact. None of this has yet been convincingly proven. Now we get into Odessa as a myth. German historian Heinz Shepperton has examined an idea of Odessa as a myth or inflation of real, of real circumstances, which, large, which remain largely unknown for a long time, suggesting reasons why such a phenomenon may become popular. He emphasized both the dashed dreams of fervent Nazis and the horrible nightmares of Nazi victims. He suggested both impulses sustained a belief in a false myth, also conflating within that American government interest in delegmentizing the Peron regime. Now we get into popular culture. In the realm of fiction, Frederick Forsyth's best-selling thriller The Odessa File 1972 brought the organization to popular attention. The novel was turned into a film starring John Voight. In the novel, Forsyth's Odessa smuggled war criminals to South America, but also attempted to protect those SS members who remained behind in Germany and plotted to influence political decisions in West Germany. Many of the novel's readers assumed that Odessa really existed. To this day, it's never really been proven whether Odessa does exist or didn't at all. Now we move on to Die Spinner. Die Spinner, German for the spider, was a post-World War II organization thought to have helped certain Nazi war criminals escape justice. Its existence is still debated today. It is believed by some historians to be a different name or branch of Odessa, an organization established during the collapse of Nazi Germany, similar to, and I'm going to butcher these names, Kameradanwerk and Der Bruderschaft, sorry if I get those names wrong, devoted to helping German war criminals flee Europe. It was led in part by Otto Skorzeny, Hitler's commando chief, as well as Nazi intelligence officer Reinhard Galen. De Spinner helped as many as 600 former SS men escape from Germany to Francoist Spain, Juan Perón's Argentina, Paraguay, Chile, Bolivia, the Middle East, and other countries. 
The Spinner was established by Scorzani using the aliases Robert Steinbacher and Otto Steinbauer and supported by either Nazi funds or, according to some sources, Austrian intelligence later. Scorzani, Galen and their network of collaborators had gained significant influence in parts of Europe and Latin America. Scorzani travelled between Franco of Spain and Argentina where he acted as an advisor to President Juan Perón and bodyguard of Eva Perón while fostering an ambition for the Fourth Reich centred in Latin America. According to Enfield, the idea for the Spinner Network began in 1944 as Hitler's chief intelligence officer Reinhard Galen foresaw a possible defeat of Nazi Germany due to Nazi military failures in Russia. T.H. Tittens, an expert on German geopolitics and member of the U.S. War Crimes Commission in 1946-47, referred to a group overlapping with the Spinner as the Führerspring, a kind of political mafia with headquarters in Madrid serving various purposes. The Madrid office built up what was referred to as a sort of fascist international per Tetons. According to Tetons, the German leadership also included Dr. Hans Globke, who had written the first official commentary on the Nuremberg Laws. Globke held the important position of Director of the German Chancellery from 1953 to 63, serving as an advisor to Konrad Adenauer. Sorry if I get any of those names wrong. Now we come to the Fascist International. From 1945 to 1950, Spinner's leader Scorzani facilitated the escape of Nazi war criminals from war criminal prisons to Memmingen, Bavaria, through Austria and Switzerland into Italy. Certain US military authorities allegedly knew of the escape but took no action. The Central European headquarters of Spinner as of 1948 was in Gumden, Upper Austria. A coordinating office for an international Dishminner operations was established in Madrid by Scorzani under the control of Francisco Franco, whose victory in the Spanish Civil War had been aided by economic and military support from Hitler and Mussolini. When a Dishminner Nazi delegation visited Madrid in 1959, Franco stated, quote, Please regard Spain as your second fatherland. End quote. Scorzani used the spinner's resources to allow notorious Nazi concentration camp Dr. Joseph Mengele to escape to Argentina in 1949. Scorzani requested assistance from German industrialist tycoon Alfred Krupp, who I've spoken about before in various podcasts, whose company had controlled 138 private concentration camps in Nazi Germany. The assistance was granted in 1951. Scorzani became Krupp's representative in industrial business ventures in Argentina, a country which harbored a strong pro-Nazi political element through World War II and afterwards, regardless of a nominal declaration of loyalty to the Allies as World War II ended. With the help of Die Spinner, leaders in Spain by the early 1980s, Dishbinner had become influential in Argentina, Chile, and Paraguay, including ties involving Paraguayan dictator Alfredo Stroessner. War crimes investigator Simon Wiesenthal claimed Joseph Mengele had stayed at the notorious Colonia Dignidad, Nazi colony in Chile, in 1979, and ultimately found harbour in Paraguay until his death. I have covered Colonia Dignidad in another comment, in another podcast episode. If you'd like to check that out on my YouTube channel, please do. As of the early 1980s, De Spinner's Mengele was reported by Infeld to have been advising Stromizer's ethnic German Paraguayan police on how to reduce native Paraguayan Indians in the Chaco region to slave labor. A wealthy, powerful post-World War II underground Nazi political contingent held sway in Argentina as of the late 1960s, which included many ethnic German Nazi immigrants and their descendants. To this day, neither of these organizations has ever been proven to exist. So, did De Spinner and Odessa truly exist? Or were they made up? We may never really know for sure.
With that, this case remains open, but with many unanswered questions, it still remain unanswered. Please rate the show and let me know what you guys think about this and the many other cases I've covered. You can follow me on all major social media platforms, YouTube, BitChute, Dailymotion. I'm also on Twitter and Instagram. Links are all down below in the description. If you have a case you'd like me to have a look at or cover, don't hesitate to send me a message. I'm your host, and this has been the Unanswered Questions Podcast. Until next time, next on Unanswered Questions. Thomas Edward Silverstein, born Thomas Edward Conway on February 4th of 1952 and who died on May 11th of 2019 was an American criminal who spent the last 42 years of his life in prison after being convicted of four separate murders while in prison for armed robbery, one of which was overturned. 